to the Laughing Monkey Music Show. Today we've got a friend of mine, the Wax Mechanics. How are you? Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Well, I always have you on. It's 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 been a while. It's you know it's been great. Um, <laughs> I'm I only going to come around when I got something to you know something to sell. You know me, fair weather friend. Well, not really. We we chat quite a bit on on <laughs> offline do. too. We do. Um, but but for, we're doing official business and um and it's good it's it's good because now the pressure's on you because before I knew you, I, I loved your music. But now I still love your music. But now the pressure's on you because they're not even a crappy album. I'm going to have to tell you because I'm pretty honest too. <laughs> so now when you say a new album, you send it to me. I'm like, oh, that's a problem with this show now because I'm so honest. And I'm like, oh. But Lay it on me, buddy. I could take it. My skin's thin. No, it, it's, no it's, a, it's a really good album. I'm saying the pressure's on you each time because they're really uh, you good know, you can never second guess. Well, first of all, let me make make sure this is clear. Uh, because you're a friend of mine, boy, do I care if you like it. But I usually don't give a crap about it if anybody else likes it. I mean, oh. if I if I make something, I know if it gets out of the studio, it ain't getting out of the studio unless I like it on right. some level. So, and it has to be sort of sonically and technically okay. And uh, so that's why I have you know my buddies around me that help me with that. So uh, they're pretty good sounding boards, and not too many turds leave the leave the stall. <laughs> well, I, I think it's incredible. It was incredible. So I was listening. I like to always like before I listen. I, I people have listened to it. I listen to albums a few different ways. I listen to it like in the car. I listen to it at work. I just listen to it like usually when I'm mowing my ginormous lawn. Like some albums are for different times, right? And um, so I'm listening to this one, um, this newest one we're going to talk about today. And, like and it, it was, I'm not going to say that word. No one is going to hear me say that word out of my mouth. Oh come on! Let me say it just one time, really slow. You can, we'll you can say, say as much. As, you can say as much as you want. I'm not going to say. It. I'm going to say the psycho album. Um, there you go. I like that. No, that's great. That's perfect. Yeah, I, I'm going to use but, that. Can I use that? You can, you can call it for free. Um, the first ones are free. Had a chicken. But I think okay. what I've noticed, what I've noticed is, is, um, is your songwriting is is still good. Like it's it's, it's continually growing. It wasn't just like you had like the first rock album you have like all oh, you have your whole life to write an album and it's really an awesome album and then the, the second album comes out and you're like it's okay there's some other stuff on it and then you start getting to your third release and fourth like because now you're, you're doing singles and like ep types things so the releases aren't like solid album album right well so this next is this new spatch of stuff is just as strong but i see a change in the songs too i see you do you know um uh you, know, you look at you now where you, you change the tone like so it's you are still an artist. You're still growing each album. It's not like you're not doing the same album each time. They're not you know? deliberate. The changes aren't deliberate. I just kind of follow well, some people them. do, and, and but that's why I, I'll still like your first album as much as it is because it's always going to be an original album, and then your second yeah. album will be like it, the more I say original, it's easier to keep a, a lot of favorite albums of an artist if they're all different. If you have a, right. if you have twenty black black back and blacks, yeah, you look you like black and black, and everything else like yeah, it's okay, but. And I'm not saying well, I did that either. I'm not saying if you do a copy of the best album you've done. Yeah, you know, it, it depends upon how you look at it. Um, you know, about the time I say that I get bored with one style and move on to the next or want to grow or whatever, I think, well, geez, ACDC has never changed. And I love those bitches. I just love them. And so do millions of other people. So what's good for one isn't good for another. Um, All right. Can you tell me what your favorite song is off their Black Ice album? Off, off of Black Ice? Oh, uh, let's see. A big gym. I'll oh, see. So when a few people even know that, that's a, that's my whole point. Most people say I love that band. I want to change, but they'll have about ten albums of ACDC they've done between their, their their handful of hit albums, and no one knows the songs oh, because shit. they stopped listening. But, yeah. So you got me on that one. It's just good, but that's the point. Like, 
normally people don't go any further. People well, stop growing. Yeah, they think, well, Musically. back in black at the end of it, they don't know about fly on the wall or flick of the switch or any of that yeah. stuff. They don't, you know, so, yeah. Some I mean, albums I, actually came out afterwards, but I'm saying, but to me, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, most people don't know. And it's like, yeah, they're great, but you haven't listened for 20 years. So that's the whole point of an artist. If they're doing the same album, you wouldn't know. But like, yeah. Well, it depends upon what you what you come to the party for. So if you come to the party for what the artist is doing in some sort of arc of their career, like I do, like I, I go to Neil Young, not for the individual albums, but just to watch how that dude does what he does. Same way with Dylan and the Beatles and, uh, you know, ACDC. I love them the same way. Boy, if they came out with some sort of highbrow concept album, I'd be the first guy that would be pissed. That's for sure. You know, and Kiss was a perfect example of that, too. Even though the elder was great songwriting from a songwriting standpoint, standpoint. Yeah, there actually is some good stuff on the album. It's really weird going back and listen to it, like separately yeah. from Kiss. I'm like, yeah. there was kind of interesting stuff on it. Absolutely, not a Kiss and, album, but it's it's a good separate. Well, if you look at, for instance, like you know the the one that gets all kinds of bull crap is Lulu from uh, Metallica and uh, Lou Reed. I thought that was really cool. Uh, I listen to it now, and I like it more now than I did then. But, really. Uh, People I have a hard don't. time with his voice. I, 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 I first off, I've, and I've used it as an example a lot. I support that album. I support them as an artist to a billion percent. Yeah. And I've tried listening to it. The problem is, I can't listen to Lurie's voice. I just had to talk yeah. with my wife the other day. Like, I, I, his first album, the first couple albums, it did, like it fits because he was like sing talking. But mm -hmm. the more he, he sings things, yeah. or he does talk, he's got older to me. It just feels like it was like just this weird mono chromatic tone. That just yeah. grinds my gears. And I think it's just you either like it or you don't. I thought but it was a perfect it. You're right. It, it is an acquired taste and it's not for everybody. And people that wanted, you know, the Black Album, that's not what you're going to get with Lulu. You're just not. So it depends what you're coming to the party for. I, uh, even though I'm not as in love with Lulu as I am the Black Album, because of its melodic difference, I still like the arc of that. Oh, I wasn't, you know, like, I like, I like, no, I like St. Anger. That's what my whole point is a lot of people don't, my point is I'm very open to it. It took me a long time to like the other ones. Now I'm back, I like the other ones. They did like uh, that Fuel and all those other albums. Yeah. Uh, when they first came out, I didn't. those are the ones I didn't like. But there's just something about Ru Lou Reed's voice, just singing in general. I think that ruins even for me when the I album. It's not, it's not, it's not them trying something. Yeah. I like the idea well, of it. It was very exciting. But I thought it was, a, it was voice. a cool leap. And because they were where they were in their career, they had the license to do that. Now, I would imagine that I'm going to wager, you know, 50 years from now, people are going to look back at that as a pretty interesting creative statement. Was it a commercial success? Did it excite all the core fans? No, but I don't think it was supposed to. So uh, we could debate that all day long. I think this is more about... like I agree with it. I really agree. I think it's great. I'm glad they did it. I'm just saying, and I, I wish that I could listen to it because I think it's a great yeah. idea. I just killed his voice. I think that's what it comes down to. I have to be in the right mood to listen to it, frankly. I can't listen to it like I do the Black Album. I can put the Black Album on any time, and I'm good. But I can't yeah. listen to Lulu the same way. I have to be in the I right think I've mood. listened to the Black Album so much, I don't listen to it. I'll, I I go to either I'll do newer stuff, or I'll listen to, like, um, Justice for All, I've listened to a lot lately. Yeah. yeah. I'll let that one in. I really liked Hardwired to Destruct. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's good, too. And the new one's good, too. 72 is good. It's, I mean, they're continually... I'm pleased with them, but we're here to talk about you. Let's get back on track. <laughs> well, they and, are my and, age, you know. I'm I'm yeah. I'm the same age as, the, as those guys, so it's as if I'm talking about myself, I guess. Well, in here, here, yeah. Here's the thing with your music. I don't know what genre to call you still. Good. And I think that's, that's a compliment. <laughs> well, thank you because 
you do everything. You, you, you're, it's heavy, but then it kind of feels technically, then, but the drums are very rhythmic, or it could actually be more of a cultural thing. And then, and then sometimes you just piano or vocals and strumming. So, and then I do think it all goes back to the fact that you are uh, a drummer at heart. So there is a, a rhythm or a cadence to your songs that plays off itself in, in, in a way that it's not maybe just a rhythm rhythm. There's something lyrically or something is going on elsewhere that you're playing off of in your head. It might not be right up front for, for the musician, for the, um, the listener to hear, but you're working off something consistently. Sure. Yeah, there's a, there has to be the proper cadence to whatever I'm doing. Melody is an important part. Structure is an important part. Cadence is really the key. And you're right, it is a rhythmic thing. Everything I do is rhythmically based. I mean, it's the genre that we're, or the art form that we're working in. Rock well, I know, but I get that, but I'm saying, but if you listen to other drummers, if you listen to drummers are right, they're also going to be the easy one is like Foo Fighters, but there are, and I've done this, I came with other drummers, I can't think of anyone right now. And you think about it, you listen to the music, you're like, oh yeah, I can hear that. Like, if you're a drummer that writes for the bands, uh, Charlie Bonet from, from Anthrax, he writes for the band. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And you go back and think about Anthrax music, now you're like, oh, you know, I mean, I, I know the other guys do too, right? But I'm saying, but so, when the drummer's right, it has a different flavor to it, I think. You know, yeah. I, it, the, the, when I was writing, you know, I was, I was writing mostly lyrics, but I uh, started to get into some of the, the musical writing for Nitro. It, it was pretty rhythmic. And uh, Dana Confer, who was the lead singer for Nitro as well, was a drummer. So uh, we had that connection. So it fed off itself. And then when I started to do my own solo stuff, uh, it was freewheeling and it was, there's a joke in in the band now that you know my the guys that I hang out with and somebody will say something about this section or that section or criticize that I made a strange change a chord change and I'll say that's what you get for letting the drummers write the songs. You see the the joke going on on Facebook. It, the guy saying uh, if you date a musician, you 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 um you uh, get uh, compensation. You you might be a eligible for compensation. It's the the old joke there. Um, so what is it, well, the other topic? The other topic though I noticed. And, and you can tell me, you talk a lot about like God or indoor some kind of spirituality a lot. What's the connection? I mean, I'm not digging personal because it's, it's in the lyrics of every one of your albums, every one of your albums you've done now, or EPs, so. Yeah, uh, well, there are two ways of looking at this. One is they're autobiographical. And the short answer is no, they're not. Uh, for the most part, they're not autobiographical songs. They're more taking on a character. And those are pretty interesting themes. And. Uh, you know, psychotomimetic was uh, an accumulation of, of tunes that were like a continuation to the last two albums that I made. So I'm still having the same conversation. And a lot of the topics that I was dealing with uh, had to do with the people coming to terms with their own relationship with their spirituality and their righteousness or lack thereof. So, you know, God and the devil are two uh, archetypes that uh, helped me to I, I guess, get my point across. So these aren't personal statements by any stretch. Uh, you know, I don't write confessional songs. That's that's for sure. At least I don't think so. You know, my... Because in the third track, we talked about murdering someone. I was kind of concerned if that was your confession. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's... But but and that makes sense to me, um, the character-driven stories. Because, like, the first time... So we talking the first song, actually. For the, so Jeremy Hillary, first off, the, the, the name sounds... Very like being from New England, it sounds like I would have been somebody uh, 100 years, 200 years ago to help discover Hartford or my city nearby me or something. The name <laughs> and, and, and the way he's talking about it, it feels like you're talking about at first. I hear it, I, I'm like, it feels like a very heavy, um, 
feeling of yeah, an older colonial type of name and character. I'm like, where's he going with this? Because I'm first here because that's what I envisioned when I first heard it. And I was listening to the lyrics. I'm trying to interpret it back the right way, the way you wanted it. Because when I hear that name and I hear the music, I'm thinking, oh, this could be really good. Like, because that's where all the dark, you know, right where I worked is where they they, they um, buried the first person for that um, got uh, wish trials. Like the guy uh, pointed somebody out. You know. Yep. So like. Yep. Salem witch trials. Yeah, but that's like there's a graveyard right next to my building at work. Like I look down at it, and it's like there are people buried that were involved in it. So to me, I'm like Jeremy Hillary was part of it. Like you know, it's like <laughs> the name, well, the name sounds like it to me. There was no, there was no black magic involved at all. Um, there's a the, the character in uh, the Beatles' Yellow Submarine, the Nowhere Man, the little guy. Yep. His name is Jeremy Hillary Boob. So that was where Jeremy Hillary came from. Jeremy Hillary Boob. So the opening line is. Uh, his name repeated what eight times? Yeah. Jeremy Hillary Boob. Yeah. Jeremy Hillary Boob. So that's what it was for. I was referencing that because he was the, uh, you know, he was the 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 uh, the nowhere man, I guess. Uh, and that was I, I I came up as a child watching that. That was released in 1968. So I was born in 62. So I was perfect for that. So when it came out, I thought that was a great name, and it stuck in my head because. You know, those kinds of interesting things stick in the heads of creative kids. So Jeremy Hillary Boob, I thought it was Boo, B-O-O. And I thought that was, that really tickled my funny bone because I didn't know it was Jeremy yeah. Hillary Boob. So it was pretty funny. even better. Well, see, it's funny because I've heard, as you say it, I've heard it, but I didn't, I didn't know it stuck out. Like, like Maxwell Silverham, like those songs stuck out. And those, the funny, those are, and what a crazy song, how hilarious it is. And, and other ones, but for some reason that, that name, until you just said it now, I'm like, oh yeah. Like it just never... I was an album I didn't listen to as much as the other ones either, though. But for some times it didn't. But I mean, Nowhere Man, I caught a lot of the references. I catch a lot of the Beatles references. I can't really catch that one. Right there. Yeah, that was fun. It was, you know, and again, I did that for myself. It tickled me and it meant a lot to me. So, in terms of, you know, this earlier question, do I write confessional songs? Well, I guess I stand corrected because now I've certainly confessed that Jeremy Hillary Boob was part of my uh, formative years and it stuck with me all this time. You know, 1968 was when that thing was released and I remember seeing it as a little child, not in the theater, but when it was on television. And boy, oh boy, did that thing ever tickle me. And it stuck with me ever since. I actually have uh, the Jeremy Hillary Boob here in my, uh, here in my man cave. So really? I've got a little plastic figure of him. Yeah, all the Beatles and all that stuff. Yeah, th totally this whole... You know, Psychotomimetic is uh, my homage to scratching my Beatles itch a little bit. That's really what it is. And it wanted to be trippy, but I didn't want to do rote covers of stuff. So I was infusing it with all these little Easter eggs like Jeremy Hillary Boob, and then I'd change lyrics. And um, then I would infuse uh, them with uh, a whole different keys and instrumentations, change chords. You're blasphemous. You know, either I'm going to be hailed as. Uh, you know, a savior of uh, Beatles tunes in some way, or I'm going to be labeled a heretic, one of the two. So I'm not sure which one's going to happen, but there you go. If you've been a Beatles fan long enough, you know, if you, if you need to change them a little bit because you don't want Apple chasing after you. So I think you changed yeah. them enough where. I, I, I could, yeah, the worst things could happen to me. You know, Beatle could send, or the Apple could send me a cease and desist letter. Bring it on. That'll be published all over social media. <laughs> right. You know, Apple knows who I am. How, how much could that hurt? Cease and desist. That for you? Yeah. <laughs> So uh, all that said, it was, you know, all joking aside, uh, the whole thing was intended with the uh, respect and love and appreciation yeah. because they're just such a huge influence. It just felt right to do it. And as, you know, without being too artsy fartsy, I was following them and that's where they wanted to go. And uh, I have tons of 
uh, tons of songs that are 100% written by me. These are the ones that wanted to be written this time. And that's, uh, I, you know, I took some, uh, I, I took some artistic liberty, but I think I am a link in the chain. Now, let me give you one example. One example is the Beatles themselves. We all know that song, Come Together, right? Mm -hmm. Here come old flat top, he come grooving up slowly, right? Guess where John Lennon stole that from? <laughs> that was stolen uh -huh. from Chuck Berry. You can't catch me. So if you uh, play those two together, you'll see Chuck Berry went after John Lennon. <laughs> My point is that I'm linking a chain, I think. Yeah. And that gave me, you know, I, I'm a Beatles fan, so I, I knew about all that stuff. I'm not saying it's right or it's wrong. I'm just saying it's the way that art is created. And uh, um, imagine a world where John didn't steal You Can't Catch Me, and then we never had come together. Uh, it's not recognizable now because Paul and the rest of the band did this wonderful job of retooling it. So uh, it's a tradition I'm continuing. That's what I see it as. It's intended with respect and love, and I'll just leave it at that. Uh, yeah. It was fun. But I enjoy it. I mean, I enjoy the whole album. I think it's, it's, it's you know, it's good. Um, yeah, and only only half, you know, less than half of the songs are uh, are are like that. You know, the other four are completely original. So, yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't change the songs. I mean, it just it's it's fun nods. It doesn't. Yeah, feel like they're cover it, songs by any means. So right. The key. Let's talk about that. Where, where would that one come from? And the whole key to the end of the world. Yeah, that that tune was uh, boy. That one's that's that's been a great title. Yeah, it's a really long title. <laughs> that's a good Can one. Though. Well, uh, you know, it, it was that that's it came it came from being a boomer, I guess. You know, we've been so uh, marinated in the Cold War and all of the uh, uh, all of the associated uh, fears and boogeymen that come along with it. That, um, uh, that's what it's about, basically, yeah. is, uh, is being handed the nuclear football and finding out that, holy crap, you know, I'm responsible for all this. So I had a dream about it where I thought I was handed the where I dreamed I was handed the nuclear football. And I'm like, guys, I'm not the guy for this. I'm not the guy for this this job. And I was trying to give it back to people. And in a dream, and you and I were talking about dreams earlier, you know, you, you uh, they're all kinds of twisted and you're integrating all kinds of other scenarios and parts of your psyche that uh uh, make it really uh, interesting and surreal. So I just couldn't give this nuclear football to somebody that was responsible. So I was thinking to myself, hmm, I woke up and said, oh, okay, this this needs to come out some way, shape, or form. And it eventually did. And it came out in terms of that. Um, well, it's funny. It came then, out at the time that Oppenheimer came out. It was good timing. Yeah. Well, I have, I've, I wrote the song a while, uh, you know, more than, more than a year ago. And uh, yeah, the timing was cool. So I used a little bit of Oppenheimer stuff in there. And, uh, I, noticed, you know, I noticed, I thought it was kind of cool, actually. I was like, wow, that's really topical. Like, like spot on that time. Imagine that, me being a little bit uh, prescient about stuff. Yeah, so no, there's a little say bit you're, of things going on. And I've always said you're like an ointment. You're topical, like an ointment. So <laughs> that, one, that one is for you. <laughs> Usually I'm giving people uh, itchy rashes and not taking them yeah. away. That's well, now you are, you are topical. So that is good. <laughs> <laughs> so it is it, once again. It's another it's another good song. I mean, we always bless every song. But some of the changes. Okay, so like then you do you know um, look at you now where you totally this is this is really different for you. What? Yeah. Prompted this change. Now, just people that aren't don't know this yet. It's I want to excite people at the album. So we're not trying to just go through track to really pull it out. It's more it's more about just 
anybody's watching the show, I want them to be aware and get excited about the album itself. And this this is this one's a piano based different type of melody. It's 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 for you it's really that you've released. It's definitely in a different um swim lane. Yeah. Now you may have other staff stuff held back that we haven't heard, but as far as released songs, I don't think I've ever heard anything like this. And that was one of the reasons why I did it was simply because, well, first of all, it felt like it needed to go with the rest of the tunes. You know, we needed something at the end that was kind of a palate cleaner. There's a lot of heaviness going on on the record. And uh, so um, I've got lots of stuff that's unique and and that will be coming out hopefully in the future. This one in particular, it uh, thematically it went with it. Now there's a duality to the song. And one is you can look at the obvious part of it, which is, you know, uh, the narrator's talking about somebody in an affectionate way. And uh, the other part when I was writing it was that there was this tug toward the darker side of it, which was what if uh, somebody's talking to themselves about the disappointments that they've had, uh, you know, their struggles with their own faith and their own righteousness and their own redemption. And uh, those are the two, it's a yin and a yang kind of thing. So you can look at it in both ways and once I finished it, I it felt like it had a bit of a double life going on. So I, I liked it. As far as the instrumentation goes, I wrote it on guitar and uh, I was trying to do it heavier and it just wasn't happening. And then I uh, had a good friend, uh, Denard Watson, who's a wonderful piano player in the Philadelphia area. And uh, we talked about it and he said, uh, this thing certainly just needs a piano and that's about it. Um, how, how come once, will you put it? I'm sorry? Yeah, it's location. Sorry, but I'm going to cut into you. I think of it as the location of a, of a mellow song like right after that one so early yeah. in the album like when i first heard it i was like oh and i always i always think that the lineup of how you do songs i'm thinking i don't know how to put that there yeah third yeah. time listen to it i'm like oh it's brilliant i get it but i didn't get it at first it didn't sound bad it wasn't it wasn't jarring but i was like i'm not sure i understand putting such a mellow song so early in like it's still it's not like it doesn't feel out of order but i didn't get huh. but but now i kind of get how it kind of yeah, it does give like a uh, breath of fresh air, and then you're like you're like you come like you're swimming. It's like Arr. then you come up for air, and you're like, Arr. and you can dive back down again, back in you know, and and it and it works. Yeah, but I didn't uh, see that. First. Sequencing is pretty. Sequencing is a whole other art in itself. Totally. And I haven't mastered that by any stretch. I passed the uh, the sequencing by the two guys who are the sonic architects of all my records. First is Electric, and he's the main producer that I've been working with, and also. Uh, machine, uh, Gene Machine Freeman, and I worked with a uh, third. Sure, anybody with a normal name? Yeah, Machine. So Machine and Electric, and we had another. Those producer. are the Christian names, right? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's got a street name these days. Okay. So I know. <laughs> so you know, um, these these guys uh, know their know their stuff pretty well. And once the tracks were actually finished, I I ran a bunch of different sequences by them, and I said I really can't settle on one and. Uh, we landed on the one that that we landed on after uh, it was, you know, a little bit of democracy going on there. It's really rare with my records. It's usually a, a dictator. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I saw what you did there. I, I was waiting. I thought you were setting me up for it. I, yeah. I thought I come in. I thought it was a dad joke. Yeah. So it does. It does. It does work. It's good. It's 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 nice. It's not. But it's a pretty song. It's not just. Um, I would uh, challenge drunk. anybody to look at it from the other perspective. So. Anything I do typically isn't real obvious and there's another side to it. And this one does as well. As I said, uh, it was as equally that uh, the narrator looking inward as the narrator looking outward. 
So when I was writing it, I didn't want to get too sentimental because boy, that's a trap for a songwriter. You can write sentimental yeah. songs and boy, that'll be weird. And they don't usually end well. So um, when I took that posture of, well, this is somebody who is reevaluating themselves. Um, that's when I was able to finish it the way that I did. And that's, that's what it means to me. What it means to anybody else is up to them. So once you do something and you put it out in the world, it's everybody else's to interpret the way they want it. I know how it was written and how it was intended. And honestly, it doesn't have to be my way. It can be any way that anybody wants it. And that's the beauty of this one is that it, it's got a duality to it. So I felt both kind of relieved, uh, enlightened and brutalized when I finished it. And I thought that's a pretty interesting place to be as a songwriter. I rarely feel like that, you know, both sides of that. And this was one occasion when I did. Uh, the instrumentation uh, seemed to uh, decide itself. I tried it on, a, on guitar. We tried to make it heavy. We tried to do it like the rest of the album. And eventually it was just like, no, it just needs to be this. So again, I follow them more than I do lead them. And it wanted to be what you're hearing. It wasn't necessarily that I wanted it to be that. That's what it wanted to be. And I know that sounds kind of artsy fartsy, but that's really how it happens. Um, and I trust them more than I trust my own. Well, let me tell you this. When you use the word fartsy, it definitely sounds less artsy. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, just going to put that out there for you. It's a technical term and you should put it in your lexicon. <laughs> I already have 10 words in my lexicon and that's it. If I put those in, I have to take some out. That's it. It's a limit I have. There's a finite limit to your, to your uh, lexicon. That's all I want to know. Okay. Yeah, you learn one thing every day and you do it early first thing and then you have to learn do anything for the rest of the day. <laughs> the the album, all, all the titles though are very very powerful. They could all be like really strong book titles and they're all not end of days, but they're all coming to terms, you know, you're you know, this is a phrase, you're come to Jesus moment, you're you're this moment, whatever the religion is. It feels like these are all titles that kind of pull you towards and I'm gonna talk about this. the next one's called, you know. Once Upon a Lie, and then you have you know, Pillars of Creation. And, but I mean, those are all powerful titles. Yeah, they, they, uh, they suggested themselves. Again, you know, I'm more receiving them than I am uh, inventing them. So, uh, you know, Pillars of Creation was, that was, that was, that was almost a cinematic thing. Um, you know, there's a, uh, 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 what do we want to call it? A star nursery um, out in the universe, and it's called the Pillars of Creation. So, um, knowing the type of topic that that song was about, which was about an interstellar traveler leaving Earth looking for some somebody uh, or someplace else to live, uh, they were obviously going to pass by the pillars of creation. So when I uh, found that part in my lyric, I'm like, whoa, that one sort of made the hair on my arm stand up. So I like that. The rest of the titles are uh, really strong and cinematic. You know, Shrew's Fiddle. Um, if you look that Great thing one. up, yeah, that, that's that's pretty interesting. That's an old we were talking about the Salem witch, witch trials earlier. I think that was an old colonial, uh, almost quasi torture device where it got two people that were arguing stuck together until they worked their stuff out and it was called a shrew's fiddle. So, and that fit the theme of the song as well. Um, the other stuff, you know, two left feet, uh, who <laughs> we've all heard that in a different context, you know, it's about somebody being clumsy, but in this right. particular case, it was about somebody being the other, you know, uh, somebody's got two left feet and we know there's a lot of that going on now in our world is that uh, people are branded as uh, uh, the other, no matter what yeah. it is, if you're, and it's Seussian in a way, you know, it's got that Dr. Seuss thing going on. And uh, I'm a big fan of Dr. Seuss, you know, the Ukes versus the Zooks, the star belly sneakers, you know, the reds versus the blues, 
it's that kind of thing. So uh, I, I brought it a little more contemporary uh, about uh, um, people wanting to uh, demonize somebody else just because they weren't, uh, I guess, typical or the archetype of what somebody thought they should be. This is just the pond reflecting the oncoming stone. Yeah, it was, they, they suggested themselves. Once upon a lie was simply a twist on the nursery rhyme, you know, mm -hmm. uh, once upon a time. And it's got a little bit of a darker theme going on. Um, people are interested in, uh, I, I guess, uh, seeing how far they can push it just to see what happens. So uh, that bending of information uh, was, was, has been in my head for a while. So it's all a continuation of the, of the conversation I've been having on the last two records. I would say two things come to mind about that is, um, is A, I think um, it's fun because you can just listen to the album. You don't have to be totally cerebral. You can just listen to the albums. Yeah. It's really good, good rock songs and, and fun. Yep. And, and um, But also because the lyrics and there's stories behind them, you can also get that from it too. So it's kind of like you, you can get two different things from the album. As I hear the same talk of this. It's got a rock, yeah. It's really but, got but, a but, rock. As I listen to your, your, all your releases and your lyrics and they're so well thought out. I don't know how I don't feel this is coming. Like your next album or however you do is is not going to be like a concept. Like you're not going to have a story. Like I don't know how you haven't done that yet. I almost feel like everything <laughs> no. is loosely could have been a story as it is. If you literally came with a main character and had a couple of little interludes or something in there, you could almost tie it together. Yeah, I'm not going to write the wall. I don't. I'm not that clever, frankly. Um, I'm just having this long sort of conversation. Um, and if you look at from the beginning, you know, with mobocracy, uh, through blunt up through uh psychotic mimetic they're all it's all one sort of conversation i feel a change coming on though i have to be honest with you i think i've said all i wanted to say about these topics and uh, the songs that i'm writing now are slightly different the ones that you'll be hearing you know the next time that we chat about stuff like this are probably going to be different um it's you know even though the styles have changed a little bit uh and First and most important, all the records that I've made, they had to just move me from the waist down first. That was, that's, it's a primal thing. And if it's not there, with few exceptions, if it's not mm -hmm. there, then I'm not going to pursue it. The rest of the stuff, the lyrics are the easy part. It's getting the music right, frankly. Um, but thematically, I think, yeah, you'll, next time we talk about a record of mine, I think you'll, you'll say, oh, okay, that's what you meant. I'm, oh, yeah, no I don't say it's the elder or, or it's your rock opera, but I'm saying, you know, you have a story and you can write seven different stories for a character. I mean, it's kind of what you do, sort of. Yep. I mean, and I, it just feels like it just, wow, well, it feels like it'd be an easy expression. If, I, mean, I wouldn't be surprised if you did it, but obviously you're the artist. Well, no, I, I, I may do it. I, I haven't done it deliberately yet. Um, only because it's been done, I have to be honest with you, I wouldn't want to put my hand at something that, you know, Roger Waters did with The Wall or The Who did with Quadrophenia. You were just singing The Beatles in your album. Like, were you... <laughs> <laughs> you know, Sergeant Pepper. How am I going to do any better than that? You know, I, I, uh, I'll oh, skirt around. You were, you're seeing, you're listening Beatles lyrics on your album. Like, I think you've already dropped the, the that whole <laughs> shy. I'm, I'm, I'm shy. Like, that's done. You're done. You're in the arena. Just afraid of song. Well, yeah. Well, I, I'm not afraid to to get in there and run with the big dogs when I feel I've got, uh, you know, a lot of power in my legs. But something like that, that's a big bite. I might take it. You know, that's a good. That's a good thought. Maybe There's a lot of that. artists that have to do it more often. It's kind of fun as a concept, especially because yeah. you, you can do a concept concept album where it's like totally hardcore and each yeah. song is tied to it. But I almost think with you, because yours are going to be all standalone stories also, but they could be tied together because you, you the way you write sometimes, it's not so 
overt. If they sat down and read the lyrics, you could see there's a story or an idea you're following. But if you, took yeah, it, well, you, didn't, you didn't read the lyrics and you just have to listen separately, everything would be standalone. And that kind of can almost be the best kind of album because you can kind of get both types of fans. Well, what I'm trying to do here is uh, just to do the best work I can and, and follow the stuff. Now, specifically, there were a couple of, uh, you know, I, I, I felt like, I felt like it was important to tie the records together. Like, like I said, I think I'm done having this conversation that I've been having over the past three records. And I think it's done. For instance, uh, on the new record, there's a song called Two Left Feet, and it's tied directly to Mobocracy. Uh, there's a song on there called Mad World. And those that are interested, you will see that connection. And it's also tied to a song on Mobocracy called Ghostland. So it's my way of saying we're still having this conversation, folks. Uh, I'm not... I'm not doing it as deliberately as I might be uh, uh, talking about it now. It, it, it did happen organically. So whenever I encountered those uh, those songs again in Two Left Feet, I left it in there. It felt like it was supposed to be there, and I followed it there. So Well, it, it's good. I do think it's good. And I know we're there's some videos out there, too, and we'll have the links for that underneath here. Where, yeah. where can people get the album? Check it out. We you, you gonna be doing any live shows or any more releases? Like, what else can people expect from you? Well, uh, obviously, you know, we're uh, slaves to social media, so you know, what you can kind of do is Google me or, or hit any of the socials, and I'm there. Um, gigging, yes. Uh, we don't we don't say Google me on this channel. This is a family channel. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Am I allowed to say Facebook, or do you have to black <laughs> me out? No, no, no. I'm joking. I have to Google myself. <laughs> thing. Okay. <laughs> Well, uh, you can find me online just about anywhere. Um, and and uh, so I'm still with Electric Talon Records. Uh, so uh, we have a pretty good thing going and we're going to continue to have fun doing it. They're really good to me and uh, we're doing a good thing here in Philly. I'm from Philadelphia. They're from Philadelphia. So that's been really cool. Um, as far as live stuff goes, yeah, with the pandemic over, uh, doing some busking, also uh, doing some live gigs with my band. Next gig, I think, is in early October probably one before the end of September. Um, so we're doing some of that. Not going out on any full-fledged tour because we ain't Bruce Springsteen. You know what I mean? So um, as far as videos go, yeah, you've got the the new one, Pillars of Creation. And on the 8th, the album drops and uh, we're going to have another video called Once Upon a Lie. And then we'll see what happens after that. Excellent. And then the 8th, we talk about September 8th because I'm not sure what day we're going to do this on. So uh, right. it'll be out. I want to thank you for being on the show. I appreciate it, man. Buddy, it's always fun to talk to you. And I can't uh, thank you enough. Uh, I know you're drinking from a fire hose and boy, to get some time with you is really important to me. It really is. I, I want to thank you so much for even giving me the encouragement and the generosity that you show. You do great work and uh, your audience is lucky to have you. And so am I. Thank you. Oh, yes, you, you do what you kind. Thank you.